CBDC. The Bank for Canadian Entrepreneurs is a proud partner of the Startup Women podcast. BDC is here for women entrepreneurs in their efforts to move forward and achieve their business goals. To meet their specific needs, BDC provides financing, strategic advice, and has a wide selection of free resources. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women. BDC is here for what's ahead. Scotiabank Women Initiative is a signature program designed to increase economic opportunity for individuals who identify as women or non-binary to be successful now and in the future. This unique offering helps women pursue their best professional and financial futures by providing unbiased access to capital and tailored solutions, bespoke specialized education, holistic advisory services, and mentorship. For more information, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. You're listening to the Startup Women Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. On the Startup Women Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and all of the support that you need to make your vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, CEO at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have Nisha Graywall on our show today. Nisha is a Vancouver-based entrepreneur and is the founder of Ambari Beauty. Ambari Beauty is committed to sourcing and formulating with pure and powerful ingredients and is on a mission to provide Medispa experience and results from your own home. Growing up in a proud Indo-Canadian home, Nisha was accustomed to a life of natural remedies and cultural rituals. Graywall and her family leaned into herbs, spices, and adaptogens for skin health benefits and pain relief. In her youth, Nisha loved to indulge in skincare treatments at home. With adaptogens specifically, she saw the healing power that it had to sustain skin barrier function when applied topically. As a young adult, she transitioned to medical spas, especially chemical peels. The daily care routine was second nature to Nisha. However, only with regular visits to the medical spas did she notice a true transformation to her skin. Nisha realized she needed to be one to bring performance-driven skincare to the market for all consumers. Thinking outside of the box, Nisha and her team of experts created results-driven formulations that would help skin tone and texture, increase glow and luminosity, and help diminish fine lines for every skin color and skin type. I think we can all get behind that, Nisha. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Hi, how are you? Doing great. Really excited about uh, learning about your entrepreneurial journey here today, Nisha. (laughs) Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. Thank you. So before we dive into the good stuff, what is one key takeaway you want our audience to to really bring out of today's episode? One takeaway... um, that I feel very strongly about actually is that female entrepreneurs can really break through any barriers or circumstances that they have in their way to achieve the success that they want. Um, For myself, I had multiple barriers 
uh, you know, to name one, the pandemic that we are, you know, currently in still, um, you know, when we launched our brand, that was a big, big barrier for us. And, you know, with strategic planning and having great people around you, guiding you and, you know, making sure you have a good plan of action, I feel that any sort of hardship or struggle can easily be navigated if you have a strong plan and execution. So I definitely want that to be um, a takeaway for people who are listening today that you can really do anything if you put your mind to it. I feel like we need that kind of messaging these days as we still navigate through the pandemic. That's a great way to kick things off. So let's start at the very beginning, before you even founded Ambari. In your own home, you know, you mentioned that as a child, you really focused on pure ingredients, herbs, spices, adaptogens, all sounds fantastic, <laughs> that were used as remedies for wellness. How did, you know, these early memories really impact you today as a founder from that childhood uh, uh, sort of process and then learning from the ground up? So, you know, growing up, my mother actually was very much so into adaptogens, finding natural remedies to heal any skin concerns that we had growing up. Um, And, you know, typically once a week, my mom would do some sort of a natural paste. She'd create some sort of a natural paste out of, for example, turmeric, amla oil, um, and any other adaptogens that she really had in her kitchen. And she would make a natural paste out of that and sort of rub it all over our bodies. And I know, I know, and um, being Indian, actually, we do um, in our in our culture, we have a lot of these natural remedies that we use uh, specifically when people are getting married. Uh, They do like a turmeric paste all over their body to get them ready for their big day. Um, And just not just, you know, on big events like that, but just throughout the course of the year, if it's cold weather outside. She would make some sort of a paste out of a yogurt to make sure that we were fully hydrated. And obviously, as we were children, she wanted to make sure that everything was as natural as possible. She wasn't one for putting any um, uh, extra creams that you can go buy at the drugstore. She really wanted to make it herself. And so she knew what she was putting on our skin. Um, So for me growing up, that was it, it. It helped my skin tremendously. I felt that any skin ailments I had, uh, you know, she would sort of be on it right away and try to figure out, like I was a big science experiment, you know? So it was <laughs> yeah. like, okay, what can we do now? You've got some redness. How, how are we going to fix this? Let me cook something up in my kitchen and put it all over you. So that's sort of how this came about. And I really wanted to bring that into our formulation at Ambari to bring some natural remedies into our um, formulation and bring that to the world. And before we go any farther, can you describe what an adaptogen is for our listeners who might not be familiar with that term? Yeah, so adaptogens can, so in simple language, for example, it's any sort of um, ingredient that has come from the earth. So turmeric, amla, any herbs or spices, We've got even reishi mushrooms. We've got shiitake mushrooms. There's so many adaptogens. The list is goes on and on and on. And, you know, they are so good for you. It's what the earth has provided us to use. And people, you know, eat adaptogens. Or you can use them topically on your skin. 
That's super helpful for those that might be less familiar with that term. And I get that question a lot. People are like, sure. what is an adaptogen? <laughs> and I will say, you see the mushrooms? You see this? Those are all adaptogens. Amazing. Amazing. And so in that transition of using adaptogens, herbs and spices, et cetera, walk us through the moment that you decided you were going to begin building the business of Ambari with this base. So I would say about three, four years ago, um, I actually came up with this idea. So let me backtrack a bit. Uh, after I was doing all of these natural remedies, um, I decided to then um, go and get treatments at a Medispa. So fast forward from childhood, that's when you start wearing makeup, you know, you're, you're becoming an adult and you're doing adult life things. So going for work, you know, getting ready for meetings, et cetera. And I started wearing makeup and I felt that my skin started to change a lot more uh, when you are applying cosmetics on your skin, right? And so I found that I was put on multiple skin routines. Like I was that person who would go into a retail store and say, okay, let's try this whole collection and let's see if this is going to work. Obviously, I fell into the marketing trap of people promising me results in X amount of days and your skin will change. And quite frankly, when I would start skin routines, um, there would be a lot of steps involved. There'd be like a morning product and then an afternoon product or at nighttime, there'd be 10 steps that you had to do before. It's like a part-time job. Pretty much. Yes. (laughs) So you got to apply this and then this. And, you know, by the end of it, to even achieve the results that they were promising by day 30, I didn't even make it past week one because you sort of get into the groove of things and like myself, I like to do things quick and fast and Mm -hmm. the odd time that I do have enough time to focus on my skincare, then of course I will pamper myself. I'll spend the extra time and do like a nice facial at home or what have you. But typically on the day to day, um, I just would put on maybe one third of the products that I was supposed to put on. And then by day 30, I would not achieve the results that I was looking for or what the brand had promised. So that's when I started going to uh, Medispas where I'd get actually professional peels, facials, where I would walk out seeing the result on my skin. If you go in for a hydrofacial, you walk out and you're like, wow, my skin is glowing. I feel hydrated. It looks great. Or if you went in for a peel, you walk out and you can see instantly what has happened and what the products and the ingredients are doing to your skin. So that becomes very addicting, obviously, when you walk out and you're like, wow, this looks so good. But there's only how often you're able to do that. Now, obviously, going and getting these peels from a professional, they're costly. It's expensive. And also, it takes time out of your schedule. You have to book an appointment. You have to go there. It takes time out of away from your kids, your family, or what have you. I mean, it's not something you can do on a day-to-day basis. Well, at least I couldn't. And Mm -hmm. so I really wanted to bottle something up that brought the natural remedies that I had grown up using and seen the results from that, as well as the instant results from getting something professionally done at a Medispa. And then that sparked the idea of Ambari. And now we're here today. Amazing. So walk us through what Ambari looks like now. What do those products um, do? What type of you know research and development was entailed to bring these products to life? Um, how did you get to where you are today? So 
when we started actually a couple years back, um, I was on the hunt for finding a chemist who really understood what I wanted to bring to life. And I think that is, for me, the most important thing. I mean, there's obviously in different different categories of building a business, there's obviously very, very important things. But for me, the formula was always number one. The product is always number one. And so I wanted to find someone who could understand what I wanted and really formulate that and build what I was wanting to achieve. And so my chemist, actually, who's unbelievable, really understood what I wanted. We thoroughly researched every single ingredient that is put into the formulations now um, and tried and tested and did so many consumer studies on just on women and men. How are they liking the product? Is this working? Is this not working? And I mean, I was a guinea pig myself for, it was two years, (laughs) right? Before we even before we even sent it out to people, I tried it. And I was like, I have to love this. This has to be perfect before we send it off and get other people to try it. And more so of that, we wanted to ensure that we were testing on different skin types to see that, okay, how is this product, this formula working on people who have sensitive skin? How is it working on people who have dry skin, etc.? So that took a very long time. We did a lot of testing. Um, I even have clinical testing on my products as well. Just to show that um, level of transparency as a brand, I really wanted to create something that showed results overnight or after the very first use. And for me to even state that, I needed to back it up. And with that, I did clinical studies to show everyone how after one use, these products can change your skin. Incredible. So test, Mm -hmm. test, test your audiences. Absolutely. Test and Mm -hmm. rework and test. And, you know, it's a never and like research and development is a never ending process. You are Mm -hmm. constantly doing it. I'm doing it on a day to day basis, right? For new products that are coming out, you have to be in with the now you have to be listening to your community. You have to understand, okay, you know what? The Ambari customer, what are they looking for? What do they want? And what can we provide them um, in addition to what we already have? Mm, agreed. And I think that's such an excellent point around R&D that you're never finished. There's not really a finish line of saying, I have the perfect product. It will be this way forever. And, you know, this is going to be my one offering. I think if anything has shown us during the pandemic, that adaptability and that openness to be always researching, always developing and have those conversations with our audiences has been more important than ever. And we've seen businesses really um, either thrive or die in in that position with that openness to sort of explore those conversations. Absolutely. You have to be very agile. You have to be able to think quick. You have to be able to, I mean, you know, this pandemic has thrown curveballs, so many curveballs at everyone. And it could be in every single industry, right? And mm-hmm. beauty being one of them, you know, a lot of the, the retail stores were closing down. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine if you're selling in stores and they're, they're shutting down. So now you have to change everything to online. And it's like, okay, how do we do that? Now you have to be creative because you're trying to deliver the same experience through a computer. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, with something that that is tactile, that you want to touch and smell and experience different products differently, especially in the beauty industry. I imagine that was particularly challenging for many beauty-based companies. Absolutely. Like if you just even think about this, do you remember the time where you could walk into a beauty store and try on a lipstick? Oh my gosh. (laughs) So I asked people that question and they're like, wow, yeah, it's been a while. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. (laughs) (laughs) So walk us through how you actually got into stores. So before you even went to market, your product was taken on by Neiman Marcus, um, which is an American chain of luxury department stores. Walk us through how that magic happened. (laughs) So when we had finalized our formula, um, we had sent it to the buyers of Neiman Marcus. And what I had uh, proposed to them during that time, now remember, this is like, this is very, February of 2021. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still in the height of the pandemic and people don't know. They're still trying to navigate, okay, like are the stores opening or what's happening? How, how are they even going to be bringing on new brands? Mm-hmm. Um, and this goes across the board. How, how are you bringing on new brands? We're, a lot of other brands are going under big, big brands are there's so many brands that shut down, close shop. And so for me, it was definitely um, nerve wracking. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, we went in and I had uh, spoken to them via zoom. And basically, I let my product speak for itself. I sent them the product, I let them try it out for about two weeks. And really, basically just spoke to them and said, what we are offering currently is Medispa results that show you results after one use, but from the comfort of your home. Right now there's clinics that are shut. People aren't able to see their facelifts. They're unable to handle any skin ailments from professionals because we don't know when they're going to open. So what we have done as a company is bottled this up and basically you are able to now do the facials and continue anything that you have been doing with professionals, but from the comfort of your own home. And we've safely formulated this. So you do not have to have the presence of a dermatologist or a facialist um, supervising you using the products. Mm. That's that's good timing. (laughs) (laughs) I I will have to say like, you know, timing, it was, it was, I, I don't want to say like, you know what, like, I think it it was, it fell into place. Um, it, we just happened to be in a time where people were unable to get their facials or their peels or what have you. And just because I, I originally always wanted to have this from home, um, it was, it couldn't have been a more perfect time. It really aligned. Founders listening and learning from, from this whole inception story what do you think needs to be a part of a very strong and effective launch strategy? Do you have any tips based on your experience launching the brand? So definitely you need to understand what is your, what is your brand? um, What is your brand about? And sometimes this takes people quite some time to really understand. You have the idea, you know what you want to uh, portray to the world and, you know, 
tell all your customers, but what is that true story that you have? Why is it that you are choosing these ingredients? Why are you, you know, um, taking sustainability initiatives? Why are you doing this? And really have that sort of in a nice, um, nice sort of package to basically present like this is who we are and really stating your core values, um, all your facets that regard your brand. And for me, I think the way I really understood all facets was I had to be part of every single sector within the brand. With that being said, as in sourcing ingredients, understanding the supply chain, where is my my glass being made from? How is the testing happening? Okay, now we're in, say we've got people trying the products. How are they feeling? Then you're also now in retail stores. Are you having a consistent conversation with these people? What is the best way to market this product and go, go to market pretty much? How can we sort of stay on trend, but not being too trendy? Uh, so you are classic for quite some time. Um, but being, you know, understanding like, okay, so this is what, what people are wanting to do now. It may not be what they want to do in the next six months and timing. That's huge. Um, so I definitely think you really need to understand your business in and out. And the only way you're able to do that is really be involved in every single thing. I mean, when we first were starting with Ambari, I was, part of finance I was part of research and development I was part of supply chain I, I basically ran the whole thing before I had brought on um, people to assist with assist me with that so I think definitely understanding all of that and then having key a key marketing strategy on when you're going to launch and how you're going to execute it is key to launching your brand that's great advice and on that note around how do you sort of remain classic and trendy. I, that, that balance I didn't really consider, especially in the beauty industry, to be a long-standing beauty brand um, or playing in this space. You need that consistency, but you also need a bit of the hype. So I imagine that balance has been has been challenging. Um, how have you approached the brand? You know, it's described as so innovative and the performance-driven approach and, you know, is loved by some some famous celebrities like the Kardashians, which is no small feat. Um, how have, What decisions sort of impacted um, your growth and how you've seen this company and, and how you've reached this level of success while also, um, you know, trying to be around for a long time and staying classic, but also taking advantage of new opportunities or being really forward-facing in the market? Mm -hmm. So, for example, in skincare, uh, the way I I see our brand um, as being classic is everyone needs a moisturizer. Mm. It's a classic product. Everyone needs a serum. It's a classic product. And a mask, it's a classic product. But then to be trendy is what is trending now? Can we can we insert that into our 2022 year launch? Are we able to do a trending product that may fit with this demographic but then that also um you know can be used for for quite some time for example i remember like there was a uh, product in 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 cosmetic color cosmetic it was the lip and cheek so you can put you can put like the lipstick on and then it also becomes like a highlighter mm -hmm. which is great but even though it's trendy it's still classic in the sense that i do that all the time 
it's like, oh, now this is this has become an idea, but it's long lasting. So I think it's fun to be trendy, but um, to be everlasting for sure. There are some are some key things to keep classic, like your main your main skews. That and that's just speaking on our brand per, per se, but um, that's one thing. And then also just our messaging. Um, our messaging to our um, customers is very simple. Uh, we are very much so we stand by our core values. We are who we are, but then that we also have that, um, that avenue to sort of be ever evolving to also just see what, what is in now and how do we also be part of this initiative? So we can grasp on what is trending currently. What are the what are the social aspects of the world that are happening right now that we can be part of and we can sort of share and give what we can give back from our brand. So I think there's so many different facets of being trendy and and classic, uh, whether it's regarding social aspects or even just the products that you are you're inventing. Um, so yeah, that, that's sort of how we like to stay on track. Amazing. And in terms of actual marketing, you mentioned this a little bit earlier. Um, you know, you have so many great testimonials, lots of content from customers and from people with with exceptionally high followings. You have this great network that, um, you know, you really tap into. What marketing tactics have been the most impactful for Ambari in creating that, you know, either sense of community or just overall buzz around the various products that you have? What's worked best? So for us, per se, I think the best uh, marketing strategies have been when we are getting educational advice from influencers or, or you know doctors who are of influence who have a big following on social media uh, because people are listening people are wanting to find um, that information now more so than ever what are the ingredients in my skincare how are these going to work on my skin what is the long-term effects People want those answers, and um, especially, you know, our our customers, they they are understanding of our ingredients. They know, you know, okay, so the Ambari uses alpha hydroxy acid, so we know that that's a resurfacing ingredient. How is that going to affect our skin? Now, when we have a dermatologist come on board and say, "Let me speak to you. Let me consult you with your skin, and let me share." how you can integrate into this in, integrate Ambari into your skincare routine that speaks volumes. So for us as a brand, we've seen that definitely um, surpass all of our other marketing strategies. Um, and yeah, so for us, that's, that's what seems to work best. And for founders that are in those beginning steps of trying to get out into the market, trying to create some buzz around their product, what would be the first steps that they should be considering in that process? Because I think often entrepreneurs get very overwhelmed seeing you know, these well-established brands and, and all of the access that they have to their customers. What did it look like with the first handful of customers and what advice would you have for first-time founders? Good question. Um, when we first started our consumer study, now this is before we even went to market, I did a consumer study, and it was about 30 people. And we did a consumer study for two weeks, six weeks, um, and then three months. And for me, just having those 30 people, I was like, wow, 
okay, this is great. We've got 30 people trying our product and loving it. And then from there, it sort of just started building. They start talking to their colleagues, their friends, their family members, and so on and so forth. And for me, I think the biggest advice that I can give to someone is don't don't be afraid of of seeing these big companies and have their that have massive following they got there one way or the other they started at some spot right so you you shouldn't take that as uh as something to be afraid of everyone starts somewhere and again if your product is amazing it will always win so if you are able to really do what you can, what your brand is saying your for us it was change your skin overnight and we were delivering that words speak volumes for us i think word of mouth was huge and that's my advice to people who are starting um a skincare brand is it doesn't matter how big or how small you start at the end of the day if your goal is to build that massive community you just have to keep working at it and if your product is fantastic it will speak for itself yeah, focus on that quality, being ruthlessly committed to the quality of your product or, you know, aligning the brand to the actual outputs that you are saying that you are are able to to sort of adhere to. Um, you have to walk that walk. Mm-hmm. And there's so many different businesses out there that, um, you know, that you need to build that trust. And we're seeing that with, with different consumer pa- bases um, and uh, consumer packaged goods in particular um, across so many different industries. That trust has to be there. Absolutely. Surprised how many um, people just by being in the industry, how many people like to even go particularly to smaller brands because they get more of that one-on-one conversation. Mm. They get that one-on-one experience with maybe the founder or the people who are working with the brand um, and they're able to guide them. Okay, this is how you use your product. This is how, you know, let's tailor a custom schedule for you and Let's follow up every other day. I mean, we definitely try to do that at Ambari, regardless, um, to ensure that, you know, we are giving people that, you know, VIP treatment, making sure that the products are fitting their skincare routine and being there every step of the way. So for me, that's very important. And I think especially with skincare, there needs to be a deeper conversation, a longer conversation when you are using products that are strong. Um, so I think, you know, is especially for, for brands that are starting up, I think that's almost a plus, like you, you are giving that undivided attention. Customer really matters <laughs> to you. Absolutely. As, yeah. It, it hits differently when you support a small business and the, the relationship that you have there is definitely special, especially in those early days. Any final takeaways uh, that you want to provide with our audience today? If you could, you know, look back and give your former self some advice, what would you offer? I think definitely for people who are starting uh, new businesses is how you are able to pivot your business in the midst of challenging situations is key. Uh, There will always be curveballs thrown at you. Um, You know, for me, it was the pandemic and supply chain issues and sourcing all my stuff and getting it basically here on time. Um, but for others, that may, it may not be the case. It may be something different. I think if you're able to be agile and figure out solutions quick and have a really good team around you, for me, that's key. Like the people I'm working with, I trust them. They, we all share the same vision. 
we are on the same wavelength. And that is super, super important because I feel that's what pushes you forward. I feel if you've got motivating team members around you and you guys are all working collectively, that is huge motivation to keep pushing the brand forward and people who are innovative and coming up with great ideas. I think that's super, super, super important. Um, as well as, you know, if you're in the beauty industry to definitely keep your eye out for emerging trends, listening to customers, especially the ones that, you know, they're, those are, those are your people. They're the ones who are purchasing from you and they are your supporters. So you definitely need to be listening to them and taking their feedback and yeah, basically just always be researching and developing your products. And it's, it's always a learning process. Learning does not end when it comes to this industry. Mm -hmm. Or any industry yes. for that matter. Exactly. I think, yeah, we just need to wear that learning hat in every step of our entrepreneurial journeys. Absolutely. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on uh, the Startup Women podcast. For our listeners that might want to be testing out the Ambari Beauty products, where should they check out some of your offerings? Yeah, you can go on www.ambaribeauty.com. Beautiful. Fabulous. So if you're looking for some self-care at home, listeners, uh, I think we found uh, a solution for all of you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Women Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, VDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook, Resources for Women Entrepreneurs, with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast, hosted by Rick Spence, and plug into the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to choose to challenge the status quo and unleash the economic potential of women.